Hello and welcome to another episode of the DBSA podcast series. Today, we're talking to Douglas Holst, DBSA's Peer Specialist Workforce Development Program Manager to discuss peer support and peer support specialists. Also, you will hear a conversation between Douglas and a peer support specialist as they discuss the day-to-day duties of a peer support specialist. We hope you enjoy the episode. So Douglas, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I am really good, Dante. It's really good to be here with you. Um, I'm ref- I'm sitting here reflecting on uh, for the listeners. Um, yeah, Dante and I sit next to each other in the office in downtown Chicago. So I have really missed sitting next to Dante for the past um, 12 months and doing this podcast has made me remember that and, and miss it even more a little bit. So it's good. Yeah, to be- that is that that's true. No, um, no candy, no fun knickknacks at oh. your desk. Yeah. <laughs> so Douglas, um, they heard at the top a little bit or in your intro that you are our peer specialist workforce development program manager, which is a lot harder to say than communications manager. Can you <laughs> tell us what that is? Absolutely. So um Basically, in a nutshell, um, the the populace at large, so I'll just say the general public and even the general populace of um, those that work in the mental health arena um, at large um, aren't aware of uh, that peer specialists exist, let alone what they do. Mm -hmm. So my role as peer specialist workforce development program manager is to um, elevate awareness in general, and then elevate, um, hopefully increase in size and elevate um, peers in the workforce. That's that's what it is in in a nutshell. Yeah, so when we talk about peers here at DBSA, we mean people who um, identify with the lived experience, right? Absolutely. Um, it's a it's a really there's a really um, important distinction, and it's one actually um, I even it took me a long time to become really comfortable talking about. And um, I'll just share a, a quick story, which is um, I was once giving a presentation about supervising peer specialists to a group of about forty or fifty, or 50 um, masters level um, therapists. And without missing a beat, at one point, one of them just said, well, I don't understand this. Like, you know, we all have lived experience. That's life, you know, like, I, I, don't, I don't get this. And um, she really put me on the spot. I, I knew internally what I wanted to say, um, but I, I couldn't get it out in that moment. Mm-hmm. But that moment stuck with me. And for six months, I think I spun it around in my head. Um, to be able to just hopefully explain quickly and easily, which is, you know, throughout, you know, in life, we support each other, you know, you support your family members, when you sit down and you talk to them, and you you listen, sometimes, Um, you know, colleagues at work, if you're, if you're on the job, or students, or my favorite example is when you, um, like, when you're going through something challenging, and all you want to do is just sit down with your closest friend, and you want to you just want to tell the person what's going on because you know they will listen and sometimes they will just listen and that's all you need. You also know that they'll, um, if they respond, they'll be truthful, they'll be authentic, um, they'll be um, forthright with you, hopefully. Um, you know, that's peer support. That's, that's, live, that's, that's just the, the broad spectrum of peer support, um, the peerness that we often talk of. Mm-hmm. So the, 
the next level up, if you will, and not that the next level up is more important. It's not, it's just a different level of distinction is when this is what plays into what does a peer specialist do? Right. Um, or, or what are peer specialist support services? Um, it's when you, um, you have lived experience with either um, some form of trauma um, it could be post-traumatic stress disorder if you're a veteran, for example. Um, you have some form and or you have some form of lived experience with um, a mental health challenge, uh, also referred to as a mood disorder issue. So for example, um, you know, anxiety, bipolar disorder, um, you know, schizophrenia, the gamut of what that means. Um, and then and or thirdly, um, you have lived experience with um, perhaps a substance use disorder issue of some kind. Mm -hmm. So a peer specialist has lived experience, uh, an illness story, and then a wellness story in one, two, or three of those areas. And oftentimes two or three of those areas all connect and overlap and interchange. So you have that specifically then you make the decision to disclose. You choose to disclose or um, through a requirement, you agree to disclose if you're going to a job or, or, or some places asking you to disclose, you make the decision to disclose. And what happens through DBSA, for example, um, is then you become trained as a peer specialist to view that story, which comes from your lived experience as part of a dynamic skill set. And that story, the long, medium, or short version of it uh, can be sliced and diced in a thousand different ways. And the tone you apply to that story, um, uh, be it a little bit lighthearted, more serious, a bit of mix of both, um, by choosing that, how, how to, the, the long, medium, or short version of your story, the slice that you pull out, and then the tone you apply, that is used in a very specific moment as you listen carefully with a person, to, to the person you're supporting, um, to help hopefully um, ignite a spark of hope, which then motivates a person to move in a direction of wellness. Why is it important to have these peer support specialists um, there as part of the recovery? Why can't, you know, a doctor who is just a clinician, I should say, who is em empathetic, why, why is this better than just the empathy-based uh, approach? That, that's a, a great question, Dante. That's really kind of the million-dollar question to me. Um, and I'm going to try to just give you two bullet points. Number one is a bandwidth perspective, meaning there aren't enough clinicians to go around. Um, there's a shortage of psychiatrists um, that's getting ever larger. Um, the, the number of individuals needing support from a mental health perspective, the ability to tap into clinical support, um, I think is basically harder and harder. There's fewer and fewer members of the clinical world to support, and they have limited time and resources to devote. So that's one piece of it. Mm -hmm. And peers can really step in to, to be like a glue and to fill in um, those spaces, if you will. 
The second piece is, is I think the harder piece to, to talk, to articulate. It's, it's the magic. It's, it's the mystery, if you will, which is when you, um, I invite you to think about when you've gone to speak to a clinician, a doctor of any kind, and you've told them about something and you get their advice, you know, they come, they're well-educated, they're experienced, and you hear them say to you, this is what I think you should do. And you know how that can feel when it sometimes doesn't click or resonate or gel um, compared to when you engage with another person who, who says essentially, I haven't walked in your exact shoes, but I've walked in a similar path. This is what I did on my wellness journey. And these things helped me. Let's discover what can help for you. Let's you decide, you discover what can work for you. There's something that almost defies words there. There, there is that spark, that magic, that um, indescribable um, emotion that connects with hope, which is maybe it doesn't have to stay the way it's been and it can improve. I think I'll make the decision to head in that direction. That's, that's the... Um, that's the intangible but oh so powerful thing about what a peer specialist can offer. Yeah, so that intangible, um, the, the importance of having that shared experience, right? Yeah, what that feels like when you sit next to somebody and, and think, because some, sometimes we do think, oh, they've been exactly what I've been through. E even if that's not the case, you, you perceive that. Or sometimes you sit down and think and you hear somebody and you're like, you know, that wasn't exactly what I went through, but gosh, it's awfully similar. Right. What did you do? How did you get through it? Who did you tap into? What resources did you find? Um, there's something just innately um, human in, in, in that, that connection we have with other humans and in, in how did you go forward during a place, a time of difficult and challenge for you? Yeah, almost like when you have a sibling, right? There may something that obviously your parents has go, has you know have went through, but you don't ask your parents. You ask your older brother or someone you know someone who's right around your age because you you want to know how you you assume that and from a not just put the clinician in like a parent position, but you assume someone who with a little bit of authority or something may not understand, right? Sure. Um, so what, what's some of the benefits of having a, a peer support specialist around? Um, gosh, there's many. I'm just trying to think clearly of what some of the key ones. Um, I think um, I'll just try to list them off. You know, first and foremost is a, a peer specialist um, is not a replacement for the work of a clinician in any right. way. Right. But for example, if an individual does not have access to clinical care, then a peer specialist is not a replacement, is not a clinician, but can be a valuable tool and support um, um, resource if they don't have access to clinical care. If they have access to clinical care, that access may be very limited. Or you know, you may get 15 minutes with your psychiatrist um, twice a year, if that. Um, a peer specialist um, can talk to you about their experience engaging with their clinicians. Or if you have information from a clinician that you don't understand, a peer specialist can help you dive into resources to better understand the information. Um, 
And peer specialists, you know, they, 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 I think the last bullet point I'll end with, there could be a lot more is, is they model wellness. You know, they, they simply are a, a living, breathing, sitting next to you example of, of wellness, of someone who has been in a place of challenge, been in a moment or more of crises, but is now in a place of wellness. And just observing that, listening to it, hearing it, um, can be influential to a person um, in some ways that transcend, you know, what what only clinical care can do as an example. So Douglas, you had the chance to speak with one of our um, peer specialists who works with our senior strength program, um, Jennifer. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So um, DBSA gets various funding um, to, to demonstrate the value of peer specialists. And um, Jennifer uh, Adkison is one of our peer specialists on our senior strength uh, program or our senior strength project. Um, in a nutshell, senior strength is we partner with a medical clinic in Los Angeles to have a peer uh, as part of the full comprehensive mental health and wellness care team. Mm -hmm. So psychiatrist, MD, psychologist, uh, clinical psychologist, uh, master's level therapist, and peer specialists are all viewed as part of a team. So those individuals um, at the clinic uh, will generate a referral and then that referral, um, we will match one of our peer specialists with a senior. Um, here then works with the senior um, on, on wellness goals. And for a lot of those seniors, a lot of it is lessening feelings of loneliness and isolation. Um, so that is the goal that they work on. Um, and then also things like, um, you know, uh, how, can I, how can I learn to, to more easily get to the grocery store? Um, I, don't, I don't shower enough daily. Can you help me find motivation for that? Right. Um, huge gamut of goals that the individual uh, self-identifies. That's the basic work that the peer specialists do, help them identify the goal. Great. And we're going to listen to that conversation right now. All right. I am very honored to introduce uh, DBSA's peer uh, specialist, Jennifer Adkin Adkison. Um, I was fortunate to meet Jennifer um, the week before we all started working from home with the pandemic a year ago. Um, we hired Jennifer to be a part of our senior strength project, which is basically having peer specialists work with seniors. Hi, I'm Jennifer Adkison, and I have been with DBSA for about a year now um, as a peer support specialist. So Jennifer, the populace at large, my personal belief, and I think DBSA feels, um, still doesn't, isn't aware of peer specialists, what they do, their value, all the areas they touch into. What happened? What's your story? What influenced you to embark on this journey um, as a peer specialist? Sure, so back in 2007, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And 
before that, it was in November 2007 when I was diagnosed, but back in March or April of 2007, I had started feeling like there was something off. Like, I, I just, I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know how to put my finger on it, but something was off and I needed help. And I had two kids, um, two and under, and my um, doctor's like, oh, you're just a stressed out mom. And my husband said the same thing. I started seeing a counselor. They said the same thing. Um, and then an event took place in July, the last day of June, the first part of July, um, where I ended up in jail because I was having a manic episode. And that really confirm for me, okay, I'm, I'm not okay. There's something wrong. And I was still seeing my counselor and he's like, oh, you're fine. You're just stressed out. You need to learn how to control your anger. And I'm like, that's the problem. I can't. And I explained that I felt like I was on a runaway freight train and I couldn't stop. I couldn't put on the brakes. I, I just, I didn't know what to do. And I was taking anger management classes and that wasn't helping. And finally, um, in October of 2007, I had um, a hallucination. So I called my doctor and she's like, you need to go to the ER immediately. So I went to the ER and all they did was give me a sedative. And I'm like, okay, that that's not helpful. They didn't um, direct me to a psychiatrist. They didn't um, direct me to any other mental health care services. They just sent me home with a sedative. And I told my probation officer about that and she was alarmed and she was the one that got me in to see a psychiatrist. So that November, when I finally got the appointment, I went in, sat down, talked with him for 30 minutes, and he goes, you have bipolar disorder. And I'm like, oh my gosh, seriously, that's it? And this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders and I was so relieved because my favorite uncle had bipolar disorder and he managed it just fine with medication. And so in my mind, all I had to do was take a pill and I'd be fine. So then it was from November until the following April in 2008 to try to find the right medications, the right dosage, the right cocktail. And during that time, I ended up in a suicidal depression. And then finally in April, I was put on the medication that I'm currently taking and I've been stable since April of 2008. So um, looking back on all of that, I wish I would have had a peer support specialist to help me through that roller coaster of a time. Um, and it wasn't until a couple years ago that I learned about peer support specialists and learned what they did. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I could have used someone like that. And so then um, 
at the time I wasn't able to leave my job and um, pursue becoming a peer support specialist, but um, through a series of events and life changes, um, I ended up going to Wise University in Sacramento for three weeks to take their peer support specialist training in December of 2019. And after that, I started applying for peer support specialist jobs and got an interview with DBSA, and that's where I'm at. Thank you, Jennifer. Um, I know you well enough to know that you're, you're, you're thoughtful and you're humble, but I'm going to ask you this question. What, um, what is it about what you've gone through and your personality um, that you feel allows you to be successful in, in the role as a peer specialist? I really think compassion. If you don't have compassion for other people in all walks of life, then this is not the job for you. Um, you really have to have compassion for your fellow human being and what they're going through and meet them where they're at and not try to jump ahead or um, try to catch them up in, in um, where they should be. Um, because there is no should in, in recovery. I really think that you are where you're at at a given time. I, I think everything is all interconnected and, and your path leads you on a certain um, course. And, and that, you know, as long as you get to recovery in the end, I think that's all that matters. And having someone come alongside you and help you through that, I think is really paramount and really important. You work with clinicians, you engage with clinicians. Mm -hmm. how, how do you um, see your work supporting the work of the clinician? And how, and mainly, most importantly, and then secondarily, uh, how does the clinician help you? Sure. So I kind of feel like I fill in the cracks where the clinician either doesn't have time or um, isn't able to devote that much detail to any given um, peer for them, a patient, for me, a peer. Um, and then I think that the clinician helps me to fill in the gaps that I don't see when I see the peer. So um, we have meetings regularly to go over all the peers um, and discuss, you know, what the doctor saw, discuss what I saw, and then put the puzzle pieces together. And then you get, aha, a whole picture of, okay, that makes sense. And we see that on both sides, both on the peer side and on the clinician side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for our listeners, uh, Jennifer works on our Senior Strength Project. And in a nutshell, Senior Strength is, um, we're partnering with a medical clinic um, in Los Angeles, California. And we get uh, referrals from the clinic for seniors. And then we pair a peer specialist with that senior. Um, the whole point of it was to um, incorporate the peer specialist as part of the comprehensive care team, um, that they're part of the team with the MD, with the psychiatrist, with the clinical psychologist, with the master's level therapist. Um, 
and we've been senior strength has been going now for two years strongly. Um, huge learning curve from it. We learn every day. Um, the pandemic uh, has um, in some ways helped us because we've gotten to connect almost with more seniors because there was no transportation involved, you know, running around Los Angeles. So in some ways it's um, the past year has helped the program. So uh, Jennifer, what is a typical day for you like? Sure. So um, I work regular business hours, um, nine to five. Sometimes I will do evening appointments if um, the peer isn't able to make a um, nine to five appointment. But for the people I normally see, they are almost always retired. So that isn't really an issue for them. Um, and I have about one hour appointments with them where I discuss how they're doing, how their week has been, um, what goals they would like to set for themselves that week. And I think that's really important in their recovery is goal setting, something that's attainable for them. So it could be something as simple or we say is simple, but for someone who is experiencing depression, taking a shower every morning can be so difficult. Um, and so really walking them through baby steps of what that looks like and how they're going to achieve that goal. Um, so I'll see anywhere between um, a couple to 10 or more peers in a week. And then I also do um, facilitate two support groups in a week. Um, and then there's another grant that's coming up where I will be um, facilitating a program where we teach the participants how to disclose their um, suicide attempt if they decide to do so. So it keeps me pretty busy um, and it's work that I really enjoy because I'm getting to help other people. Yeah, you know, you've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but you know, one of the things we've learned with this project with Senior Strength is a peer um, is not just a buddy, is not just a friend. The peer is not a family member or a friend. The, the peer then is also not the clinician, but the peer is someplace in the middle, which is a place of, um, you know, immense um, influence, um, immense um, uh, ability to support and to model wellness. Um, but ultimately it's about the, the, the peer you're supporting their self-direction. They self-directed, their self-directed wellness and the goals they self-identify. Can you offer like a closing thought about that process, Jennifer? Like how, um, what you think about that and how it's different from sometimes other models of care maybe where someone is telling you what's right for you or trying to? So I really think the beauty in peer support is that the peer, the, the person I'm um, helping through recovery really sets the tone for how they want their recovery to happen. So 
when they make goals, they are the ones that are leading it. I suggest making goals and give them examples of things they can set for themselves, but they are the ones who choose what goal and how long it's going to take and what steps they're going to take to achieve that. And sometimes they don't want to work on goals. Sometimes it's just getting through the day. And so then I encourage them um, to get some sunshine because it's so important for mental wellness and, and just really meeting them where they're at because they are the ones that are in charge of their recovery, not me. Exactly. So Jennifer, um, how important is it to you or to the work that you do that you engage with an organization like DBSA? I think it's really important, at least it's really important to me because DBSA has been around since the mid eighties, I believe. And I honestly didn't know anything about DBSA until I got the job at DBSA. And when I started digging into what all they do, the support services with peers, the support groups, um, their information that they put on their website with the crisis lines, um, articles that they have about living in recovery and getting to recovery. Um, I really think the work that they're doing is amazing and outstanding. And I, my hope is that everyone who is experiencing some sort of mental illness can find DBSA and see if that fits into their recovery. Um, I wish I would have known about DBSA support groups when I was working towards recovery because I think it would have been really beneficial because the two support groups I did try out, which were not affiliated with any specific organization, were not helpful at all. There was no structure. There was no... Um, encouraging to work towards recovery and I left feeling very hopeless and that has not been my experience with DBSA. Um, I am always amazed when I come out of leading facilitating a support group how how much even I get from it because even though I'm the one facilitating the people that are working towards recovery that are in the middle of depression, I mean, they have some very insightful things to say. And it's always so hopeful that we always end on a hopeful note. So one of the things I like to end on is, what is one thing you're going to do for self-care this week? And so we go around and say that. And I'm just, I'm always hopeful when I leave. Absolutely. You know, I often find myself saying to individuals, it's, um, it's about um, uh, helping to ignite a little teeny spark or flicker of hope. And that flicker um, can create motivation to move in a direction of wellness. Jennifer, thank you so much for your few minutes. So awesome to always talk to you again. Thanks, Douglas. It was a pleasure. So Jennifer, um, how important is it to you or to the work that you do that you engage with an organization like DBSA? 
I think it's really important, at least it's really important to me because DBSA has been around since the mid eighties, I believe. And I honestly didn't know anything about DBSA until I got the job at DBSA. And when I started digging into what all they do, the support services with peers, the support groups, um, their information that they put on their website with the crisis lines, um, articles that they have about living in recovery and getting to recovery. Um, I really think the work that they're doing is amazing and outstanding. And I, my hope is that everyone who is experiencing some sort of mental illness can find DBSA and see if that fits into their recovery. Um, I wish I would have known about DBSA support groups when I was working towards recovery because I think it would have been really beneficial because the two support groups I did try out, which were not affiliated with any specific organization, were not helpful at all. There was no structure. There was no um, encouraging to work towards recovery. And I left feeling very hopeless. And that has not been my experience with DBSA. Um, I am always amazed when I come out of leading, facilitating a support group, how, how much even I get from it. Because even though I'm the one facilitating, the people that are working towards recovery that are in the middle of depression, I mean, they have some very insightful things to say. And it's always so hopeful that we always end on a hopeful note. So one of the things I like to end on is, what is one thing you're going to do for self-care this week? And so we go around and say that. And I'm just, I'm always hopeful when I leave. Absolutely. You know, I often find myself saying to individuals, it's, um, it's about um, uh, helping to ignite a little teeny spark or flicker of hope. And that flicker um, can create motivation to move in a direction of wellness. Douglas, that was an eye-opening conversation that you just had with Jennifer. Um, I didn't realize peer specialists did so much. She runs support groups. Uh, she has regular meetings with clinicians. I'm sure I'm missing other things. Is this typical of um, the work that most peer specialists would do? Uh, yeah, I would say generally speaking, um, uh, it is typical and, it, and it's becoming more and more typical. You know, our my job and DBSA's goal as an organization is to continually elevate that role. And part of that elevation is um, giving peer specialists best in class training. Mm -hmm. um, it is working on a new pilot program we're doing to actually apprentice peer specialists. Basically, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we can train you, but we're also gonna help you learn how to walk a pathway towards employment, for example, at the Veterans Administration or a community uh, uh, a behavioral uh, organization that helps individuals. Um, they do do a lot. And again, just to reiterate, it's um, 
peer specialists are not, um, they're not clinicians. Right. They don't do clinical work. There, there can be overlap. You know, there are, there's note taking, there's logging information in a database, there's consulting with clinicians, but peers are not clinicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, you know, kind of that magic in that they get to engage with individuals um, with sometimes a little bit more authenticity, a little bit more depth um, than, than, than clinicians have the time um, and sometimes the, the licensure to be, to be able, the parameters, the protocols to be able to do. Yeah, so where, where the heck can I even find a peer specialist? Where, where do they typically work? Great question. So the biggest relationship we have is with arguably the world's biggest healthcare organization, the Veterans um, Administration. So um, peer specialists are employed throughout the VA, throughout the country. Mm-hmm. Um, other places that you can find peer specialists are in the substance use disorder community. There are things called recovery community art organizations. Um, so uh, they often will employ uh, recovery coaches or peer specialists, depending upon the term they use, same thing, um, or other community-based wellness organizations that are perhaps focused on more mental health issues than substance use disorder issues. Um, you know. A simple way to look for that is just, you know, uh, peer specialist in blank location. And Mm -hmm. that will usually generate organizations um, where you can find peer support. It could be right around the corner from you where you are. What's also emerging um, and that DBSA is going to support and certainly help um, further develop is, for example, um, peer specialists in... um, veterans service organizations outside of the VA, uh, peer specialists in emergency rooms, um, peer specialists um, as part of uh, first responder units, uh, police or fire department unit yeah. unit. Um, anywhere uh, where an individual, how can I say this? There is value in an individual assisting someone through a moment of crisis that may have experienced something similar and that is part of a broader team where the team the team's resources to focus may be limited and the peer is that additional glue and additional support um and i think jennifer mentioned fills in some of those gaps of care yes yes she was very much um She's very vocal about filling in the gaps, also about meeting people where they're at, which seems to be another part of that magic that you talked about um, at the beginning of saying, hey, we're going to help not only meeting you where you're at location-wise, but where you're at in your path to wellness as well, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, So... If If I'm inspired, if I'm like, yes, I I have a lived experience, I... I want to do something. I'm living in wellness and I want to do something more. How can I become a peer specialist? Absolutely. Um, so the, the first thing is, you know, you, you identify, I have lived experience um, with trauma, mood disorder, substance use disorder, one, two, or three of those things. And I'm comfortable with disclosure. I'm comfortable with sharing because you are, are obligated to disclose as a peer specialist. So you would go through a training 
so there are several organizations that train, but of course, D DBSA, um, we hope that we are the best. We strive to be the best. We have a, a five-week uh, course uh, for mm -hmm. our students. And again, it's just very simply lived experience equals story. And that equals through disclosure training to view that story as a skill set. Um, important to mention is lots of people throw the term peer support around or peer specialist or certified peer specialist. And I may have touched upon it briefly earlier, but it's worth mentioning again if I did, which is, you know, in essence, if you take a course and receive a certificate, you can say you're certified. You, you have right. a, you got a certificate, you're certified. So there are some five-day experiences, there's some two-week experiences, etc. cetera. Um, and those individuals will say there's a, they're a certified peer specialist. There is a, a much higher level. Um, and again, I'm not saying that it is a better level. I'm just saying that there's a, a higher level um, of elevation that one person can go, um, which is your state certification, mm -hmm. also referred to as your state credential. So if someone says, I'm a certified peer specialist, you can ask, are you uh, a state certified peer specialist? Are you a state credentialed peer specialist? Um, the way to do that is to simply Google peer specialist or peer support specialist in a given state that would usually bring up very high in the search, um, the state's organization that manages the title and the credential. Um, <laughs> different for every state and the requirements to get that are different within every state. Um, there really isn't a national level credential. There's there's many different state level credentials. There's about 38 right now, maybe 40 at the moment. Wow. So one for each state, basically. Yeah. Correct. And also what's important to note too is that states, so for example, in the state of Illinois, there's a, a list of requirements and there's 2000 hours worth of on the job volunteer or paid work, mm -hmm. which will then allow you to sit for the state exam. Um, for the VA, if you happen to be a veteran, for example, or know a veteran, um, it's, it's not a full 2,000 hours. It's a little bit different. So the most important thing to leave everyone with is each state, if the state has the state certification or state credential, is different. Just check with your state by Googling peer sports specialist blank state requirements. Is this something, so if you were to take our wonderful training, is this something that you go over with the students in that training class? Absolutely. Um, there's, you know, there's just this, this role, um, this new role in the mental health arena. Um, you know, my research has shown it started to form in the mid to later 90s. But what I like to share with people is, Around the year 2000 is when it started to really get fleshed out. Um, and so it's been, you know, 20 years. A lot of progress has been made with um, uh, creating the role, defining the role. Um, uh, the federal government, the Substance Abuse, Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, also known as SAMHSA, they are a great place to just get a baseline understanding of um, the structure and definition of the role from, from a federal perspective. Um, states will often connect to and play off of what SAMHSA has put out there. 
but each state is unique. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Just check with the state, um, your individual state. Um, some states, uh, you know, if you live in one state and get certified in one state, you can transfer that to another state. Okay. But you always have to ask and you always have to double check. Um, and, you know, uh, just one also last point to make is if you are a veteran, um, the course fees through DBSA or another organization can be covered by chapter 31 benefits. So you would work with um, your local VA, you would work with your local person that helps you identify and take advantages of all your benefits um, and just ask that person about chapter 31 as would apply to a peer support specialist course. A lot, a lot of information, good information. If they want to learn more, if our listeners want to learn more about our peer specialist training course, where, where do they go, Douglas? Where can they go? So if you are on our website, dbsalliance.org, on the Get Involved tab, click on P DBSA Peer Specialist Training Program, and you'll start to see all kinds of great info. Well, thank you, Douglas. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Just a, a, a pleasure, a privilege to talk with you, Dante, to share with our podcast community. Um, you know, I, I'm, it's a dream for me to be here. I, I didn't say it in my introduction, but, um, you know, I, I'm a peer in three ways, two ways, but a third way that I've recently identified, you know, first, um, I went on a huge wellness journey with um, coming to terms with my sexual orientation. Secondly, I went on a huge wellness journey with um, uh, depression and anxiety all throughout my 20s. And then thirdly, and finally, I went on a huge wellness journey with uh, the substance of alcohol, substance use disorder uh, with alcohol, or also known as alcohol use disorder. So it's a dream for me to be here. It's a privilege. Um, I am honored to meet and engage with other peer specialists. Um, I believe in the power of peer specialists more and more each day. Excellent. Well, I sure appreciate you, Douglas, and the work that you do, and I'm sure our community does too. Thank you.